Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are you doing today? Nervous. I'm nervous, Carson. It's NBA Draft Lottery Day. I'm nervous. <laughs> it's a big night, man. I mean, so much of their future for the Oklahoma City Thunder can change just with some lottery ping pong balls. It's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. I mean, all these franchises that you're looking at here, this is a big draft. I mean, Cade is a big player. He's kind of been the consensus number one pick since basically his junior year of high school. Uh, this is a big-time night for a lot of franchises. The Thunder being one of them would love to have a 14% chance of that number one pick, but they just had to beat the Clippers in the last game of the regular season. So, fingers <laughs> crossed, but I, I am legitimately – I didn't think I'd be in a position where I'm legitimately nervous – for the NBA draft lottery. And yet here we are. They could get two top five picks if they get Houston's pick, if it falls to five, or they could get like the six or seven picks. So a lot. And they get the number one pick. They could get Kate Cunningham. That would be uh that'd be a lot of fun for this podcast. Cause we get to talk more Oklahoma city thunder with Cade playing for them. So it's, it's a big night. A lot can happen. It's, it's, it's crazy. I looked it up Colby. The thunder haven't had a single digit overall pick since James Harden in 2009. They've all been double digits and higher into the late first, early second round. So this will be, regardless of where they fall, the highest pick they've had since since 2009. So hopefully they can get up to the number one pick and get Cade. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I'm trying to think who would have been the next highest outside of the top 10. I was thinking Steve, maybe- Steven Adams. Aldrich, but I think, yeah, I think it was Adams. Adams was Actually, the pick in 2013. Paul Aldridge was a lottery pick, wasn't he? He might he might be higher than Adams. He might have been like the tenth pick. Yeah, he was pre uh, he was pre Harden though. I was thinking since Harden. I don't okay. even see somebody. No, he was he was the pick. He was the pick right after Harden. Was he? And he was the eleventh pick, so he was higher than Stephen Adams. Adam was twelve. Cameron Payne was fourteen, and Aldridge was ten. Okay, then somebody needs to update the Thunder Draft Picks Wikipedia page because it doesn't even have it doesn't even have Cole Aldridge on here. What a disservice to the huh. great Cole Aldridge. No, no kidding. I mean, we we watched him in the Big Twelve. We knew he wasn't very good playing at Kansas. Oh, uh, you know what probably happened? It was probably a pick that was traded over for the rights because also the Thunder's most recent draft pick listed here is Emmanuel Quickly from the 2020 NBA draft, who we know is not a member of the Oklahoma Well, that's, that's right, because Presti traded a couple of picks to move up into the lottery to get Cole Aldridge. I mean, he, that was a really bad draft. And so he, he made a trade. That's probably why it wasn't listed, like you mentioned. Yeah. So, yeah. Which I liked that move at the time. I mean, the, it was a bad draft. I, they weren't going to get anybody later in the draft, so just go take a swing in the lottery. So even if the Thunder don't get the top five pick, you could see that potential as well, because they also had the 16th pick and the 18th pick. So they could package both of those and, and sneak into the latter half of the lottery, I would think too. So big night for Oklahoma City. It's a big night for Cade Cunningham because he is the consensus number one pick in this draft. Essentially, he most likely will find out what team he's playing for tonight. That's a, that's a big deal for him and his family. And uh, Marshall Scott uh, wrote a good article here from Mike Boynton, uh, some quotes from him. You know, Mike Boynton's actually helping Team USA in the under-19 team, which is pretty fun, too. He posted a picture of all of his Team USA gear. And Boynton says, quote, he's clearly the guy. He can play on the ball, off the ball. He can post up and shoot the three. The team at number two has a problem. They got, they got to figure this thing out. <laughs> I love that quote. 
Yeah, I completely agree with him. The team at number two, that's going to be the most heartbreaking because I've seen a lot of people talking about the Thunder and all these assets and, oh, well, even if they don't get one, they can move up to one. What if the team at number one just doesn't want to give up Cade? What if the team at number one thinks that he is a generational-type talent? Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but, I mean, this is a big night. I mean, Cade Cunningham goes into tonight, and he is literally going to sit down, I would assume, on his couch and watch ping-pong balls be drawn and watch envelopes be open, and he's going to determine – it's going to be determined for him – where he's going to be living and working for probably the next eight years. It is a big, big night for Kate Cunningham. And there are some places on this list that Kate Cunningham probably doesn't want to live and work <coughs> Detroit, <coughs> Cleveland. So um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm, I'm nervous for him. I'm nervous for the thunder. It's just, I, I feel like all day I'm just killing time until we get to the lottery tonight. Yep. I'm with you. And the thunder aren't out of it for Cade because they're right there behind the Pistons, the Rockets and the magic. And uh, there's been, you know, just in recent history, there's been a team that only had a 6% chance at getting the number one pick. That was the Pelicans getting Zion Williamson in 2019. So the Thunder could certainly get there. But you're right. In order, the odds are the Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, Oklahoma City Thunder, Cleveland Cavaliers, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Toronto Raptors, and then it goes from there. Where, Colby, if you had to pick besides the Oklahoma City Thunder – which of these franchi- those franchises that I mentioned would you prefer Cade land at? Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty steep drop-off from Toronto at 7.5 to those teams further down at 4.5. Uh, I mean, Golden State at 0.5% would be a great place for him. But keeping it realistic, uh, Toronto at 7.5 I think would be a, a great spot for him. That's clearly a well-run organization. That's still a little less likely. Let's say of the five teams with double digits. So that's Cleveland, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Detroit, and Houston. Obviously, wanted to go to Oklahoma City. If he doesn't go to Oklahoma City, none of those other spots are great. I mean, Houston's terrible right now, and they've got organizational problems that run pretty deep. Detroit, De- Detroit's a little bit intriguing because they have had some some past success with that franchise, but man, it's just been such a, a dumpster fire of recent. Orlando, fourteen percent. The the big problem I have with Orlando is. If that team's bad, nobody in Orlando is going to care. If that team's good, only a couple people in Orlando are going to care. It's not, I mean, that's a Disney World town. They don't care about the Orlando Magic. Uh, So I would say if he doesn't go to Oklahoma City, just process of elimination. And I I don't really love this either, but the teams with double digits, I probably have to lean Cleveland just to keep him out of Houston, Detroit, and Orlando. It's kind of next best option. But I mean, aside from Oklahoma City, the other options in the top five just aren't great. Yeah, there's no good picks here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you there. But I will say this about Detroit. And I initially crossed them off the list pretty quickly. But they do have Troy Weaver now as the GM. And he's been under Sam Presti for the last 12 years as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was Sam Presti's right-hand man. And he he's basically gutted the team like Sam did when he took over in Seattle. And so Cade could kind of be his Russell Westbrook, his Kevin Durant moving forward. And we'll see what type of team he builds builds around him so I, Detroit's a little higher on my list I don't want Cade Cunningham to go to the Rockets but I think that's probably where he wants to go being a Texas kid and look I, I know they had you know a GM shakeup getting rid of Daryl Morey one thing about their owner though he's he's wild he's the Fertitta guy he's 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 out there but he wants to win and he's willing to spend so at least at least they are willing to be competitive unlike an Orlando Magic and even really unlike the Cleveland Cavaliers, they've been so bad other than when they've had LeBron James. It's, it's not even funny. And their owner, Dan Gilbert's a 
wild card, speaking of wild cards. So I would probably rank it Houston one, even though I don't want them to go there, just in terms of the basketball situation. I'd probably go Detroit two. And I honestly, I would put Minnesota three just because of the talent that's already there. They're obviously a terrible, all these organizations are terribly run other than the Thunder and the Raptors. So I think the talent around him in Minnesota would certainly be intriguing with Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, those guys. I think they, they would be pretty good pretty quick. But I just think Houston's probably where he wants to go. And I think that's a good situation because it, it would immediately be his franchise, which it would at all these places. But Houston's a, a, a franchise that had success and at least an ownership that wants to win and will spend. I do wonder if Houston were to get the first pick. I, I don't see a lot of options where uh, the Thunder and the Rockets, you know, do trades. But if Houston gets the first pick, let's say Houston gets one and Oklahoma City gets four. So Houston could still stay in the top four, get Suggs, Green, or Mobley, whoever's left there. The Thunder have a lot of the Rockets' future picks, and the Rockets are a complete dumpster fire right now. So the Rockets need a lot of things. They need a lot of guys. Maybe, just maybe, if the Thunder stayed in that top four and the Rockets got one, maybe the Rockets would be willing to do a deal where they take four off the Thunder's hands, they take 16 and 18 off the Thunder's hands, and then they take maybe Dort and some other guy off the Thunder's hands for the Thunder to move up to one and get Cade. I, I don't know exactly what the logistics would be for both sides to come to something that they agree on, but I do think because the Thunder have future picks of Houston's maybe you give a couple of those back who knows I think that there would potentially be an avenue there toward the Thunder making that trade because at some point Carson I mean if you've got 47 first round picks you can only have so many guys on a roster so at some point these are going to have to start getting packaged to move up to get guys that you're really in love with and I have a hard time believing Sam Presti's not really in love with Cade Cunningham having watched him play 50 miles up the road for a full season yeah, and he was in attendance for a lot of those games. And you're right, they have 18 first-round picks over the next seven drafts. So they're not drafting 18 players. So I think this is a case where they could do this every single year for the next five, six, seven years where they could trade multiple first-rounders and move up. I think they could definitely dangle, hey, Houston, you want your picks back? Because Houston, before Daryl Morey left town, he he traded pretty much all of their draft picks. They, they have hardly any. They had to they had to gut their roster this year with, with Harden and them just to just to recoup some some first-round picks in the future. So you could dangle that in front of them. I'd like to keep that one. I'd just like to package all the picks they have this year and, and move up to, to one. But you're right. There's a lot of logistics there, a lot a lot to be to be determined based on the outcome. But it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I wonder if Cade's there. I wonder if he's going to be there at the lottery because in past years they've had some of the top picks there. But maybe I'm just thinking of the draft, actually. I don't think Zion was there. I don't know, but maybe we'll get a post, a social media post from Cade or something. Yeah, I would say like 80% of the options for where Cade's going to wind up are places that guys don't really want to wind up. So I wouldn't want to be there live at the draft with cameras on me whenever it's announced that I'm going to Detroit for the next eight years. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> look on your face. I mean, it's just human nature. The look on your face is going to be like, ugh. And yeah. you just, you don't want to start that way. Nope. It's going to be fun, man. I can't wait to see what happens, and I, I can't wait to see where Kate ends up. He's been so much fun to watch. And, and look, I, I know there's we, – we watched Kate at times last year, and they would go missing for a half, and we, we all know those things. And part of that's just watching the same guy every single night. We, I didn't watch Zion Williamson every single night. But just everywhere you read, people that cover the draft say Kate is 
a once in a generation type player. He's like one of the better draft picks to come along ever. And there's just no doubt in anyone's mind that he's the number one pick. So while this is a loaded draft and they say it's a, you know, the top five is, is pretty locked in and consensus. There's also consensus with K being the number one overall pick, which, I mean, we got to watch him, Colby. It's, it's pretty remarkable that we're watching a player represent Oklahoma state with those type of accolades. Yeah, it really is. It's uh it's crazy to be sitting here talking about the consensus number one pick in the draft. And he's just, Kate's so easy to fall in love with as a player, uh, just as a young man. He's going to be fun to watch in the NBA. He really, I know that this is super homerish of me. I don't care. Um, he would fit so well with the Thunder's culture, everything that the Thunder are about, that the Thunder do. He would fit so well here. Uh, you know, it would take him, I'm sure, a little bit of time to win over a few OU fans. Because I don't know if you know this, Carson, he was not very nice to OU as a freshman. He dropped 40 on them in Norman, in their faces, and uh, made sure to let them know that he was the baddest man in the building. So it would take him a little bit of time to win over some of the OU fans. I think that would happen quickly. Uh, but, yeah, to have this guy at Oklahoma State, and, Carson, we keep coming back to this. It's just over and over again. It's a testament to Mike Boynton. It's a testament to Mike Boynton, the relationship that he built. Uh, guys want to be around Mike Boynton. I want to be around Mike Boynton. The softball team wants to be around Mike Boynton. Everybody wants to be around Mike Boynton. It's because he uh, he just seems very genuine, and he's building something there. And it really started with Cade. I hope it's to the point where in you know six, seven, eight years, we can look back and say that all of the success that this program has had started with Cade and his decision to stay, even when the ridiculous NCAA ruling came down. Yep, and I love how Cade also took over that mantra of we don't like them for Bedlam Week. Like he basically like was reiterating all the things that Mike Boyne was saying in the lead up. And then you're right, dropped the dropped the the hammer on on OU and Norman. That was that was pretty cool. And it's gonna be fun to watch him uh, represent Oklahoma State at, at a very high level in the NBA. There haven't been very many All Stars or you know very many NBA players over the last 15, 20 years. You know, big country was there as a high draft pick. It's been a while since we've had one, and Tony Allen won a title with the Celtics. So it's been a while since we've had an Oklahoma State guy. Uh, Marcus Smart still currently playing for the Celtics, but it's going to be nice to have another OSU guy there in the NBA. Real quick before I get to the some Mike Gundy news, the, the basketball tournament's back where they play for like a million dollars on ESPN, and there's an Oklahoma State team, an alumni team again, and the roster is Colby, Marshall Moses, one of my personal favorites, Markel Brown, Cesar Guerrero, the Mexican assassin, Brian Williams, Jeffrey Carroll, Chris Olivier, Brandon Averett, and Jonathan Laurent. Those are some names I have not heard of or thought of in a long time. Averett, man, that's a uh, that's a good name there. Yeah, Marshall Moses, that'll be a good team. I'm curious. Uh, this team's played in the past. They have not won the tournament. Some of these teams that get in there are loaded up with guys who are like just barely out of the NBA. And then you get some teams that are just kind of in the middle. And that's where I expect this Oklahoma state team to be, but I wonder if Markel Brown can still fly as high as he used to be able to. I bet he's lost a little bit of jump, but not too much. Cause he could straight up fly. I bet you he can roll out of bed and jump 40 inches. <laughs> Even at this age, uh, worth noting too, LeBron Nash dropped 30 points in this uh, tournament last year in a game, but an Achilles injury is the reason he's not playing this summer. So Nash would have been kind of their, their go-to guy scoring-wise, and uh, he unfortunately won't be able to play. Uh, Mike, Mike Gundy, Colby, taking another pay cut. Bill Haston was the first to report this. He's taking another million-dollar pay cut, and it's just kind of a 
this may have been agreed upon last summer, um, but sign of the times, Colby, with the every institution hurting due to COVID, Gundy being very, pretty selfless here, taking another pay cut. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things. Uh, Mike Gundy had a uh, a fork in the road last summer. He really did. He had a fork in the road. He had gotten to a point where uh, the fan base was fed up to him with him. The players to a lesser extent, a handful of the players were outspoken about being fed up with, with some of the stuff. And he was at a fork in the road. You can either realize that you need to be maybe a little more selfless down the stretch and you need to rededicate yourself to being the head football coach at Oklahoma state, or you need to not. And I really think that he has rededicated himself as the head coach at Oklahoma state and wanting to be uh, the, the guy who does what's right for the program and what's right for the program. In this instance, taking the pay cut with COVID and everything that happened, all the lost revenue that took place last year, so many layoffs uh, all around it, it it allows so many other people to keep their jobs by Mike Gundy taking his $1 million pay cut, which still leaves him making more than $4 million this year. But I think that this is, is deeper than that and bigger than that. I think that Mike Gundy has rededicated himself to being head coach at Oklahoma state. The recruiting has gotten better this year. Whenever I thought, and I think a lot of people thought that it would get worse after what happened with the OAN shirt and Chuba and the super awkward apology video and just all of it. It could have gone the other way. It could have gone to the point where we're having a very different conversation today. Instead, we're having a conversation about Mike Gundy really making a lot of the right decisions over the last year since that all transpired. And I give him a ton of credit for that uh, because I can't imagine that, that that was easy for him to go through all that. And now he, he really seems like he's handled it well and he's in a good position. I think the fan base is kind of uh, until Bedlam week will be mostly happy with him. And then Bedlam week, we can have a separate conversation, but I, I really commend Mike Gundy for some of the changes that he's made in his approach uh, since it all kind of came to a head a year ago. Yep. I totally agree. He really has, you know, kind of won back the good graces of his team and, and certainly the fan base and everything else that, that occurred last summer. Hasten also reports the assistant coaches will not get a raise this offseason. So that that also this really affects the, the entire coaching staff, not just Mike Gundy. So that's just kind of a sign of the times. But we are getting back to somewhat normalcy because Boone Pickens going back to full capacity. And Bill reports with the Bedlam game on the seven-date home schedule. OSU is making a push toward a magic number of 50,000 season tickets sold. They've only done that twice. That was back in 2013. And 2017, and 2017 was the record when they sold 50,732 season tickets. So once they get a full stadium, you know, that many season tickets with concessions and everything, you got to think that, you know, the, the budget will be much back to normal once, once we get back to a full stadium. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be nice. It's going to be weird. It's going to be, I don't even know what it's going to be. It's been so long. Uh, did you go to the football games last year? I did not. I didn't either. I took a year off. It was, uh, man, I, I think I've missed prior to the COVID season. I believe I had missed two, maybe three home football games since I was probably five years old. And then I didn't go to any last year. So it was, it was weird sitting at home, watching them on TV all year. Uh, I've got to say just me personally, I would rather watch a Savannah state game at home than, than make a whole day out of it. But all the conference games, there's just, it's hard to top being in the stadium, the atmosphere, all of it. It's, uh, 
it's just different. It's different. And I would imagine that it'll be even more raucous in the post COVID society, as we're kind of seeing right now with some of the NBA fan bases, everybody's just so ready to get back out and the boost that that will give the university. It's just, it's hard to even calculate the boost that that'll give the university on. I know later in the week, we're going to get more into some of the name, image and likeness and academic benefits and stuff, but it's just, you got to have money for all this stuff. And that's just, it's going to have a huge, huge impact on not only Oklahoma state, but athletic departments around the country. I can't wait. I just can't wait. Watching the NBA with the crowds going crazy for that. I just can't wait for college football and and get back to normal because it's been a, Ooh, it's been a long year and a half, almost two years. So I'm, I'm with you there. Before we get out of here, Colby, Matthew Wolf, he kind of faded on Sunday, finished tied for 15th, I believe. But again, just a, an outstanding week from him, overcoming the, the two-month battle with, with mental health and just kind of going through the ringer himself as being a professional golfer. But he, he played awesome, finished top 15 in, in a major. That's pretty great. Yeah, I admired what Matt Wolf did last week. He really made uh, mental health part of the conversation and put it at the forefront, and that's important. I think I said it last week. Every time somebody comes up forward and talks about what they're dealing with, makes it easy for everybody else who's going through their own stuff. We've all got stuff that we go through. Uh, mental health is becoming more and more commonplace to talk about and to realize that you're not alone. There are others out there going through what you're going through. Uh, there is help out there. There are ways to get better, and Matthew Wolf doing what he did uh, really phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I commend him on that. He played some good golf in the process. He's in the field this week in Cromwell, Connecticut at the Travelers. Also in the field this week at the Travelers, Austin Ekro, T7 and T13 in his first two starts on the Corn Ferry Tour. And now he'll play on the PGA Tour this week at the Travelers. So hopefully he'll have some success in what I believe is his second PGA Tour star. He started at Mayakoba back in the fall, the tournament that Victor Hovland actually won and uh, finished T12. I believe. So hopefully both those guys can go up and have a good week. Another former poke Taylor Gooch in the field this week, as is Ricky Fowler field is loaded with Cowboys Carson. Ricky Fowler expecting a baby girl. He announced this week too. Yeah. Congratulations. Taylor, Gooch is, the- Taylor Gooch's baby girls doing about three weeks. And then uh, Ricky Fowler's baby girls doing about five months. So baby girls all over the place for the Cowboys. Yeah. Like that. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully Gooch didn't get a call on the course that they're going into labor. So he'll be on baby watch for the next couple tournaments. So that's, yeah, that's exciting for him and his family. Yeah, it is. His caddy's name is Mal Baker and a uh, good guy, Australian guy, thick accent, just really fun. Nice guy. And I would imagine that he's going to have the cell phone in the pocket on vibrate that way, you know, if it starts ringing, check, just check it every couple holes, just take a look down, make sure there are no texts, no calls, nothing urgent <laughs> taking place. Uh, real life sometimes gets in the way of sports and that's okay. Uh, Taylor Gooch will be happy to get back for the birth of his first child. Yep. No doubt. Colby enjoy lottery night. May the ping pong balls be in Oklahoma city's favor. Oh, I'm so nervous. Come on, go pokes thunder up. Let's go.